What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Write Who You Know, the screenwriting podcast. It's the behind the scenes of the behind the scenes. I'm Matt Hausfetter. Today is Friday, June 16th. And before we dive into all things screenwriting, uh, a big shout out to our producer, Michael Schumann, a.k.a. Mikey Shoes. He's the bassist of Queens of the Stone Age. And their new record in Times New Roman is out everywhere all over the world today in stores streaming you should go check that shit out it rocks it rips it rolls so big shouts to michael schumann who produces this podcast i really love you dude and i can't wait to see the record live today on the podcast we have an incredible guest we have sammy wasson who isn't a screenwriter per se but he writes all about hollywood he is the foremost uh historian on all things old hollywood specifically uh an era that i'm very excited about 70s era studio life including that of paramount pictures president robert evans which we're going to get into sammy has written books uh like improv nation the oral history of hollywood uh, the Big Goodbye, which is all about the making of Chinatown with Robert Town and Jack Nicholson and Robert Evans. Uh, I cannot believe that this dude, uh, who is my neighbor in Laurel Canyon and who's so smart, it is intimidating, uh, wanted to come and talk to me. I mean, I, I can because I'm a great hang and I'm charming and I'm funny, but oh my God, Sammy Wasson. I cannot believe that he's on the podcast. Uh, big shout out to my brother, Jonathan, because Jonathan brought Sammy into our lives because they're neighbors on, on Kirkwood. Um, but I live a little bit, uh, up the Canyon and Lookout mountain long way of saying we have an amazing podcast for you today. Sammy Wasson. We're talking Robert Evans, the Godfather. He's writing a new book about Francis Ford Coppola, uh, and he talks about his hangs with Francis. I mean, dude, where else are you going to get knowledge like this? Nowhere. So sit back, relax, fire up a dube, pour yourself a scotch, and let's get into it right who you know with Hollywood lore legend Sammy Wasson. Pass. Nope. We love Matt. It's just a really hard time right now. The industry's contracting. Come back to us when you have some bigger attachments. Tell them right what you know. No, tell them right who you know. It's just, that's a lot of parties I wasn't invited to, I guess. Yeah, it's like, well, like, why else? Like, I read What Makes Sammy Run. Right. And I was like, wow, I want that. Like, yeah. I wish I was a writer during that period. Well, that's accurate. I know. It's that's like, no different than any other American industry. Yeah, it just sucks now. Real it hard. It sucks now, real hard. It sucks now. And that's why I do what I do, because it sucks now. If I didn't thought it sucked now, I'd be doing probably what you do. Um, but I'm so uh, disappointed, angry, betrayed, <laughs> uh, fearful uh, that I uh, want to just sit it out and yell. Um than play in the game. What? what oh, okay, so that that gives me that gives me some that gives me something to work with here because, like, when you decided or like what what made you be like I want to write but I want to write novels because that's serious writing you know like what I do is like you know it's like screenwriting but you're like a real writer so like at what age or like what did you read or see that made you what made you be like I want to do this forever or like I am a writer. It was really I'm a writer. There was no plan to write books or movies or anything. In fact, I always thought about writing movies because movies are what I love. I never thought about writing books. Um, but um, around the time I went to USC, 
was the time the hobbits were coming in. And I knew what this meant. A lot of things, I don't know what they mean. I don't know what AI means. I'm not running for the hills. For, you're, so you're not worried about AI? I'm not worried about AI, no. Now, maybe I should be. No, I don't think AI could do what you do. I don't think it could do what I do either. That's right. So to that yeah. degree, it doesn't work. Hobbits, I knew what they could do. And that was destroy us all. When you say hobbits, what are we talking about? I mean, about? actual Lord of the Rings creatures that were <laughs> infiltrating USC film. Yeah, what time are we time, talking? Let's see. 2004, five, six, maybe. Um, and uh, the, the, the hobbits and the culture of hobbit Hobbit world. You mean like Lord of the Rings? I IP mean Lord of the Rings. I mean Star Wars. I mean these things. Game of Thrones. Ga Game of Th all of that stuff. Movies that you would think you would need a map to understand. Movies, if they were books, would begin with a map. <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> all those movies I hate. I, I hate all of those movies. I don't want a movie that it takes place in a fictional place with three foot tall people that spins out. Other movies like this, I hate these movies, um, and they are a plague, as we now know. Now this is a cliche. No, it's not. In my day, in our day, I set myself apart from this group of people who thought this was cool, and I was a snob. I didn't think I was a snob. I just thought I was a human being, unlike them, them who were hobbits. <laughs> and and. And uh, I said, well, this, I saw what was happening. Because I knew history, I could say, this isn't just an isolated historical point on uh, a chronological map of, of Hollywood artistry. This is, in fact, part of a continuation of a downturn. And I knew that it was just going to get worse and worse and worse. So because I knew the past, yeah. I could see this was... This wasn't actually a new thing. It was a continuation of a thing. And the, the momentary dream you and I had around Amazon, not Amazon, around Miramax and independent film uh, was actually an aberration. And it gave us a false hope of what the world could be. A hundred percent. I got into this industry because the movies that I loved, Pulp Fiction, Swingers, Goodwill Hunting, whatever, The Crying Game, I thought, oh yeah, like those are the movies that I want to get involved with. And when I got in, I was like, oh, they're not making those movies anymore. All the major studios have shuttered their independent, uh, you know, subsidiaries or whatever you want to call them, shingles. Uh, and like every once in a while, sure, some, some one slips through the crack. Right. But for the most part, it's Marvel movies. Up You've your ass. lost the infrastructure. They, they, they are the exception. They're not the norm anymore. You've lost the infrastructure, even the independent infrastructure. So, um, because I'm naturally a historian, I could see this happening. I'm not congratulating myself. There are a lot of things I can't do. Uh, most things I can't do. This is one thing I can do. So I saw it and I, got out of the way um, and said, I'm going to where I belong, which is unfortunately in the past. So you fucking loathe and have not seen a single Marvel movie then, correct? Or, or do you have to see any I them saw Spider-Man 1. With Tobey Maguire? Right. Okay. Which I remember being surprisingly good. Okay. Um, I saw 
Batman Tim Burton with Nicholson, which was fucking great. Uh huh. But I don't know. Do you call that a Marvel? Even do you call no, that? No. Listen, that's a, even though it's DC. Yes, that's a comic book movie right. for sure. So that uh, counts. Uh, uh, um. Um. Um, Warren Beatty's Dick Tracy I love is that. great. I love that. I was just listening to, the, to uh, Madonna's uh, More the other day. Actually. Great. Um, um, this Christopher Nolan shit. Is so you shit. didn't like The Dark Knight at no. all? Really? No. And Tell I, me everything. I would teach. I, I used to teach. I know. I looked that up at with Wesleyan. I went. Emerson? I taught at Wesleyan. I taught at Emerson. I did my homework. Um, and. Um, that's more than I could say for my students, <laughs> by the way. Uh, they love... One of the reasons I like to teach is because I want to see what they're watching. And I want to understand what they're watching because there is something generational that's real. And I don't understand everywhere, everything, all at once. I didn't love it either. It's okay. But I know... I knew that the way that that the young generation was talking about it, that they really... Sauce that it was really speaking to them in a way that I don't think it speaks to us or older than we are. So I like that part teaching to be connected to that. Uh, and it keeps you honest because they ask you questions and you have to ask yourself questions. So it really, that cliche about teachers being students is true. Um, they love Christopher Nolan. And, and, I really like tried to interrogate this before I tried to slam them down and squeeze the Nolan out of their souls. Um, why did you like Batman? Uh, Dark Knight. Dark Knight. Why did you? Like, I asked them this. I mean, I want to know what you think, okay. but I asked them why I like Dark Knight. And time and again, they would say some version of the following: "It was dark." And I would say, you mean like the aesthetic was dark? I didn't understand what they were meaning because to use dark <laughs> as a way to describe Batman, like dark, a dark movie, that's a dark movie? Dark? Like, uh, what's a dark movie? Like, Solo, 120 Days of Sodom is dark. <laughs> you know, I mean, um, uh, um, Make Way for Tomorrow is dark. Like, you know, like the movies of Michael Haneke are dark. Like, these are dark. Like, wh what... Are, what is it that you think, how, who are you, that you think that this movie with a Batman with a gravelly voice is dark? What's dark about this? They're probably like, the title, for one the thing. Well, what you find <laughs> out is that, A, someone, like critics, tell them that it's dark. They like to quote a lot of critics. And then, B, you find out they're young, which you knew. But unlike our generation of young people, and I know this is true because we were in it, we're not arrogant about our opinions yeah this generation is really arrogant about their opinions and that becomes really hard to hard to teach so i don't see what's in christopher nolan that they all see that's in christopher nolan these elaborate um hyper self-conscious scripts where everyone is explaining to you the movie as it's happening like uh, they're walking down a street and they'll be saying, we're walking down a street. The street is made of cement and in between the cement, there are pieces of ground. There is absolutely no um, moment for the internal experience of this movie to come through because they're all just yammering just, just shit. <laughs> uh, um, and you're like, w why? 
Christopher Nolan, you're up late at night dreaming about what? Is this what's in your deepest heart? You're spending hundreds of millions of dollars about a movie, about a world within a world within a world. Is this really like what consciousness is what? Where am I in here? Where is anyone in here other than your own asshole, which you are looking up so, so seriously that I'm inclined to believe it's worth looking up. But in fact, it's not. I, I don't get this. Now, okay. Now no, no, no. Well, here's what I was going to say. My friend Ben is like, oh, we're going to see Oppenheimer in the theater opening night. I'm like, why? It's why? like three hours and well, so. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. And, keep going. And this is what I don't understand. It's like, Tenet, okay, it was fine. I didn't love it. I may be like one of the four people that got it, but I I didn't love it. And Inception, when it came out, I was like, oh, that like that's that's fucking cool because I was a dumb twenty something. Right. But, but now when it comes on, I'm like, <laughs> like you know, like I I yeah. laugh at you it. Laugh, you laugh. You laugh. You. They know? are. They're silly. That that you need like an instruction manual to yeah. understand. Tenet, you needed a fucking stereo manual to understand. Yeah. And and. Uh, the running time thing is like, say no more. A movie, now, I'm going to eat my words after I see Scorsese's movie. The Flowers of the Blood Moon or whatever? Yeah, I'm going to eat my words. Yeah. But a movie should not be over, you know, to, let, let's say with rare, rare exception. Yeah. Let's say with rare exception. Unless you're making a Holocaust picture. Yeah, unless you're making a Holocaust. It's, <laughs> you, if, if you're making a movie that's over two hours, I'm walking in there going, who the fuck do you think you are? Now, maybe you are. Maybe you are that thing. And again, I'll say, I'm sorry. I apologize. I, I will say that. But in a world in which a movie like Brief Encounter is like 89 minutes and makes you cry, or like I said, Make Way for Tomorrow, which is like 90 minutes and makes you cry, why do you need to go longer? If you're good at this thing called movie making, you can destroy an audience in an hour and a half. It's been done. You don't need any more time if you're good yeah yeah uh, so uh, however long this thing is three hours yeah. you're not the, the blood good moon, the th the you're three. not good oppenheimer or blood moon i think well, the blood moon is like three hours and 40 blood minutes moon, it's look it's look, like the ten commandments look i'm gonna make like this exception like i'll make this exception for coppola i'll make this like the only what are the examples we can think of? Godfather one, Godfather two. I'm sure there are others that are not immediately rushing to mind, but they are proven masters. Ten Commandments is the only one I can think of. <laughs> piece, that's but I a love piece. it. Honestly, it's fucking All right, incredible. Just you. Just yeah, I you. know most people. Yeah. Most people hate it. No. I watch it every fucking <laughs> no, year. No, that's funny. Uh, all right, I've made my point. No, yeah, I I do totally agree with you. I think the reason I like Dark Knight is a I think so, and which is why so many people do is mainly because of the Joker. And like, it, it didn't even have to be about Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah, yeah. it's just. The Joker is like Prince or like, and that's weird because there is Prince music in the original Batman. So maybe that's why I'm having that connotation. But like he is up there. Joker is up there with like Mickey Mouse and whoever the fuck is like a cartoon pop culture. I, you know, it's like he, he's ingrained in. Oh, you're a fan of the Joker. D did you see Lego Batman? No, no, I heard it was good. It is. I, I think you will love it so much because it, it takes the piss out of Batman forever. And after seeing it, it's like, how can they ever do another Batman movie? Like they have completely, that I got to see like, dude, literally the movie opens on black and will Arnett, um, his, he's the voice of Batman. He goes dark, 
all dark brooding superhero movies there open we go. with a black screen. Thank you. And he, they literally are making fun of the whole thing. And then the Warner Brothers logo comes and he goes, Warner Bros. Yeah. And then the rat, and then, <laughs> and, and then you got to see this movie. Good. And then the Rat Pack logo comes, you know, Brett Ratner's coming. Yeah, he goes, yeah. Rat Pack. He goes, I don't know what they do, but that logo looks really manly and cool. <laughs> like it's That just a, is so dude. good. And what That is so good. And what the whole uh, cons, concept and conceit of the movie is that the Joker is like an ex-girlfriend and he like won't leave Batman alone. And the Joker, he's like, oh, Batman so needs funny. you, Joker. So it's like the Joker and Batman realizing like they're in love and they need each other for for the whole thing to work. Batman needs Joker and Joker means Batman. And it's fucking brilliant. That and is they just, so good. When was that? Like five years ago. It's on um what was HBO Max and is now Max, but it is That sounds so those Lego I haven't seen those Lego movies, but people keep telling me. The first me, Lego movie and Lego Batman are like I truly like top 20 movies but just, wasn't there a, a recent one lego that- um the, uh, there was a second lego sequel that i didn't see and they did a little bit of lego bullshit in the new spider-man as like a nod to lego movie because uh lord and miller did both but no i i they, they've done like ninja nin, ninjago i think it's called which is like ninja lego shit but the main ones are lego you know movie, what's lego so movie sad under what you're saying even though i know you're right is that this is a franchise parodying a franchise yes. Yes. So in a way, it's a monster franchise. Yes. That alone is sad. Although, congratulations that it does sound Did you see the new The Batman with Robert Pattinson? No. Because that one goes, oh, you thought Dark Knight was dark? Let me show you what it looks like six feet under dirt dark. Yeah. And like, if you really want dark, like, we could go to the Holocaust, which is reality. So (laughs) if we are, if that is a measure of what quality is... Why do we need capes? I totally agree. And I, I've got to watch the Lego Batman movie with you because it just, it takes the whole piss out of the whole thing. And then the, the Batman with fucking Robert Pattinson is literally scored. They they cut up this Nirvana song, Something in the Way, which is about shooting junk under a bridge. And in this one, the movie is narrated by Batman's journal. So Batman is journaling and Robert Pattinson is reading the but, journal. But this is not funny. No. It's Batman's play- journaling? Yeah, Batman's fucking journaling. Dear diary? And he's dressing, literally, he's wearing like vintage concert shirts and sunglasses indoors. He's like Gen Z Batman who's depressed and like on painkillers. And you're like, this is the fucking dumbest thing I've ever seen. You know, people who don't even want to see these movies still go to see these movies. Yeah. Because we love movies so much. And because we're starving, we'll eat anything. I think that's why everybody loved Top Gun. I was like, it was fine. I completely agree with you. It was fine. I completely agree with you. And you know what they say? Wasn't it amazing? I say, not really. They say, but Tom Cruise did his own stunts. And I'm thinking, what does that have to do (laughs) with whether or not the movie's good? Yeah. And 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 craft service cook their own food. Also, I don't understand. Like, what does this have to do with storytelling? Also, how do you bond and ensure a movie when the star is doing his own stunts? I always think well, about that's that. interesting. I never. That is really I'm interesting. Like, that must cost a fortune to ensure wow, a Tom what a Cruise great movie. Question, right? I think about these things. You know, you should. Think, that is. Someone should write. That's maybe that's on on there in, in there somewhere. I don't know, but we should ask. You know, I I I. Uh, I yeah no the bar is so low that um and we've and unfortunately we've forgotten what the bar should be yeah that rather than saying hey rather than sending the food back to the chef and saying you call this a cheeseburger we're going hmm McDonald's <laughs> not so bad <laughs> not so bad and that's part of my job as a historian is to try to hold on to um what's good 
and say, and say, you don't have to settle for this shit. So what is there? A, do you remember? Is there like a recent movie you saw that you liked just from memory? And I don't mean to put you on the um, spot. I'm just genuinely. I'll curious. tell you actually something. Um, I watched in the hotel yesterday. This weekend, I was out of town. I watched "I Am Legend." Is that the Will Smith picture? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, I'm sure there are movies I liked more recently. I just. They're making another one of those, by the way. Now. Are they? Oh yeah. I'm trying to think, what did I like? Like, oh, the Banshees of the Banshees. Banshees and Minnesota. Yes, it was great. Great. Fell asleep. Need to revisit it. <laughs> great. Great. A story you've never seen before, um, like emotionally scary situations. Like, uh, you know, um, you on the level of you can't predict what's going to happen next, it's far ahead of, of everything else. Um, uh, um, and real filmmaking. Um, where was I? The, 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 I am legend. The I am legend. This movie is sad. This I movie. I, I don't even remember it. I saw it once in the theaters. It's sad. This is really about loneliness, and it comes through emotionally when you're watching this thing. Now, there's exciting set pieces. There are all the stuff genre fans, I'm sure, will be excited about, but they really stick with this guy in his loneliness, and um, you really feel what it might feel like on a deeper level to be in this horrific situation. And some of the visuals are unforgettable and really seem credible as a post-apocalyptic world. And Will Smith is not trying to charm his way out of, of acting. Yeah. Um, um, he might have to charm his way back in. As, as he should. Yeah, that was fucking nuts. As you don't have to he talk should. about that, but I, I can't, I've watched that and went, like so many of those, like you're gonna win an Oscar, dude, in ten I know, minutes. I know. That's what I don't understand. My brain, if I'm sitting yeah. there going, I'm literally watching the clock because I've waited my whole life for this. I've got a 99 points, you know, percent chance I'm gonna win the fucking Oscar for best male performance. Yeah. Just sit yeah. in your chair yeah. and shut the fuck up. Yeah, yeah. Did he not think like, oh, I'm gonna have to get up here and answer for like? I've heard so many theories. Um, one I heard is that. Um, he felt he was publicly shamed because his wife cheated openly on him, cheated yeah. on him, and he needed to go out and show that he was still a man, quote, but in a way that wasn't against his wife. <laughs> like, in other words, that slap was meant for her. <laughs> oh but, but, but you don't do that. Yeah. So you slap the guy who insults her to show that you're a man and standing up for the wife that you're not a cuck. Yeah. Even though <laughs> you, you are. are. Yeah. I heard that theory. Makes sense to me. I don't know the guy. I don't know the guy. I, 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 I think Chris Rock is a folk hero and. Um, I, I didn't watch the last Oscars, but did they, did they incorporate him? Incorporate they did him? like a bit or two of like, um, they should have had him host the Oscars. I mean, why Chris Rock didn't host the Oscars? That <laughs> they they been... probably offered it to him. And he was like, nah, they didn't Beca offer him enough because I think Netflix was like, well, we'll match whatever to do this live standup special where you talk about the thing. So who more. hosted the Oscar? Jimmy Kimmel. Yes. Right. I just remembered. All right. So this is tragic. Yeah. We're having a television guy yep. host the Oscars. I know. Okay, 
look, we had Johnny Carson before, but Johnny Carson was a genius. Yeah, same with Dave Letterman. Uh, say, Oprah, Dave, Uma, Uma, exactly, Oprah, you know, exactly. But this Kimmel guy is a goofball, mm-hmm. and a goofball not from our country, which is film. And the creator of the Man Show. And the creator of the Man Show. So, this is again like Hollywood capitulating to the television audience. That's frankly like scare me, like uh, uh, beat me. I like. I just. I just think Gervais should do everything. Oh, he when he speaks, I get. So, I'm like, oh my god, this is. I rub my hands together like this is going to be ten oh, minutes of ruthless. Just like I love. Why it. don't they have him? I don't know. Don't they he, get ratings? That's all that matters. He, he don't they get do, ratings? He should do the, the fucking weather, frankly. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sammy, because writing anything, whether it's a script or a book or whatever, is a fucking enormous undertaking, I have to ask you, like, The Big Goodbye, which you wrote about, which is about the making of Chinatown, d- do you have to love something to to take such an enormous undertaking as, like, I'm going to write a book about the creating of Chinatown because I love Chinatown and the lore surrounding it, et cetera, like... What is sort of like the impetus for like that's I need to write that? You have to love something in it. In fact, it goes so far as to say you have to be obsessed with something in it. And I don't say obsessed the way that people say they're obsessed with. Um, oh God, Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus. Sure, just, I, just, I just 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 throwing darts I, yeah, here. I don't. I don't say obsessed the way that people say it ironically. Or like I'm obsessed with my Crocs. I'm obsessed with my Crocs. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna use a word that's hyperbolic to 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 underscore that I'm being ironic. You know, I actually mean um, obsessed in the sense of you think about it when you wake up in the morning. You think about it when you go to sleep at night. You because you have to be obsessed because. You know, you you're not going to get rich. You're probably not going to get laid. You're probably not going to get famous. the 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 only reason to do it is because um, there's something in you that makes it um, uh, um, uncomfortable to do other things because you're obsessed. You, you can't know, like, not do you it. Can't, you can't not do it, but you think of like when you're going through a breakup or you know, you're know you hungry even. You're really hungry. You c- really can't get your mind to think about something. You are obsessed with it. I'm not saying it's healthy. Um, so you have to be obsessed with something in the story. It doesn't have to be, in my case, it doesn't have to be the movie. I'm not obsessed with Chinatown. I am obsessed with the era that made Chinatown. Um I am obsessed with Robert Evans. Me too. That's what I'm that's what we're gonna right. get to. Right. So we are obsessed with Robert Evans. So if someone said to you, you know, you're gonna write about you know, you're gonna write about love story, it probably wouldn't be three hundred pages about, you know The making of. Yeah. Um it would be Robert Evans makes love story, you know, because there's so many different ways you could tell any story, you know. We open on Arthur Hiller. <laughs> <laughs> Close up, Arthur Hiller. No, uh, uh, no. So, so that's what it was. Evans was a, a big, a big part of it. How did you first discover Robert Evans? My in- intro, like so many people, was the kid stays in the yes. picture. Was that your introduction? Yes. Kid stays in the picture. Going to see the movie. I remember now at the Brock, the theater in Westwood on Broxton. It might even be called the Broxton Theater. It's still, something. yeah, it still is. The Broxton. I was just there. Yeah, I saw Kid Stay. It's still open for premieres. Okay. Um, I saw Kid Stays in the Picture there. I never heard of Robert Evans. I probably hadn't heard of many producers at that point. Yeah. I'm trying to, th- I mean, 
And it was literally like 2002, three when that was. Was that what it yeah. was? Yeah. 2002, 2003. I was 17 years old. Okay, so 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 I knew producers. I didn't know Robert Evans. Yeah. Right. So I knew Chinatown. Probably at that point, like I knew Chinatown. I knew Rosemary. I didn't make the connection. Yeah. Or By Godfather. The way, for, for for people listening out there. You are probably the number one uh, go-to guy on Robert Evans, I would say, unless there's something that I am missing or don't know. I know Brett Ratner would like to think he is. Ratner is a he is he is he's got a different but strong view. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, you know, like you. he may have lived at the he at, sure did at, at, at Woodland, yeah. but you, I feel like, are right there, even if you haven't. So I I I I say that with with serious reverence. Thank you. Um. So you see the kid stays in the picture. I see the kid stays in the picture, but I'm not. I'm thinking about Robert Evans because I'm not. I'm not inclined to think about producers. I'm, yeah. I, so, I'm. I'm not. And it, plus, you learn about producers last. Yeah. You 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 go to the movies when you're young, and you first you think about act. Oh my, look who am I looking at? Great actor. Then you're like, wow, that guy made that movie. You're like, oh my god, directors, and then writers. And then maybe production designers, editor. Like then you're like, what is the what's the producer? I don't <laughs> he made all like, the phone calls. Yeah, he made the. What did the producer do? <laughs> that wait, what? So then you get to the producer last. So, um, 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 so later in life, I got to understand more about Robert Evans and got to ask myself questions like, why does this guy? Why is this guy not being taken? seriously you know why is this guy not being taken like seriously like Saul Zantz or Dino De Laurentiis or Irving Thalberg or you know whoever the giants are or you know why is this guy not taken oh because he made fun of himself you know that was the first problem is that Evans you know like Hefner did created an image of himself that is a little bit silly yeah and unfortunately it doesn't serve him in that way. It did serve him in that it turned him into an icon. And um, there aren't many producers who are icons. Evans certainly is an icon. Yeah. And to that, we have to thank his Gatsby-esque self-fashioning. A movie he tried to produce by the... Well, did. Yeah, did produce. Yeah, did yeah, produce. Yeah. Um, Originally, and, for Ali McGraw's A Christmas Present didn't end up happening. That's right. Because of the divorce. Yeah. Did, yeah. Um, so that's how I got into, um, and then when this when when I had the idea to do this book, I was trying to figure out what am I going to write about. I was like, oh, it, it, where it really is at for me is where is these guys. That's really where it's at. I do not watch Chinatown with the same emotional investment that the rest of the world does. I watch it with admiration. Really, I sort of regard it with detachment and appreciation, with the exception of the ending, which rips my heart out. Um, and the score, which oh, I love, so the score is so good, but really, it, really it's about my respect for the people who made it. It's really about respect. So, so I came in on the level of those four guys for that four guys being Polanski town, Nicholson Evans. Yeah. Cause in the book, there's moments of it where you're like, this is an NBC sitcom where they're all living together yeah, yeah. and trying to get yeah. the movie going. Yeah, that's and true. Like, it is like that. Uh, Angela, Angelica Houston's coming yeah, and going, yeah, yeah. you know, um, 
And so um, I, what I'm getting to is like, how did you come to realize or like, where do you get the info? They're like, okay, so when they made this, they were like all living together and they were partying and writing. And like, it was like nonstop, just 24 hour cocaine writing fest. And, yeah. you know, like, <laughs> like who tells you that stuff? Well, you go, you, you talk to the people that you can find. And the ones that I spoke to, I listed them in the back of the book. Um, did you, did you ever meet Jack Nicholson? No. Okay. No. Did you see what he looks like recently at the Laker games? Any of those famous pictures were like, he, now you see him in, in, I saw him in a, um, sort of paparazzi yeah, shot where he's with the shirt and he looks like he just woke up from like 30 and years maybe of hibernating. He did. <laughs> and how unfair is that I to the know. poor guy? I know. <laughs> oh. You know, I wish I looked that good when I, w- I wish I looked that good now. I, sh- I wish I looked that rich when I was yeah, 88. <laughs> But I thought he looked great at the game. Yeah, at the game he looked good. I was yeah. really referencing that that photo. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, the photo, you know, he looked like he woke up. Yeah. That's yeah. fair. Yeah. Especially if you did. And it- <laughs> and you're at your house and some asshole is hiding in the fucking bushes with a telephoto lens. Yeah, that's not fair. Not fair. But it is funny. I mean, I yeah, just like, yeah. cracked up. So, yeah. like, when you go, uh, when you do these sort of things, when you do interviews, Forget COVID and Zoom. Are you going with a little recorder? Like, what's your method of like building these this house that is this book? I go with the uh, um, Apple phone. Um, audio. Oh, great! Just what that's we all, all you need. Just now. what we all use, and I I hit record, and then we just talk. And I and I and I try to be, and I try to be as nice as possible without being relentless because at a certain point it's like these people aren't interested in what i'm interested in i'm interested in what color was socks what color socks was roman polanski wearing on october 3rd 1974 you know i'm interested in that because when you do biography you learn that you could find a character detail anywhere this is true for all writers you know it's just that you make them up i can't make them up but I still have to look for them. Um, but that requires of people that you're talking to that they really hang in there with you and be patient. So I have to kind of entice them to talk to me for as long as possible. How do you do that? Um, you have to improvise because everyone is different. Everyone is different. Some people want to be impressed by you. Some people, you know, so you have to show off. Some people want you to be impressed by them. So you have to ooh and ooh ah. and ah. You know, there's every variation in in between. Um, um, and those are split second judgments that you make, you know, all the time. Um, sometimes I have to talk about myself to uh, um, sometimes I have to make promises, which I keep. Uh, some promises I don't keep. Y- you, you, you do like being a good producer. You know, you do whatever you can do within your power to get what you want. And generally, because they see that I'm coming from a a good place, yeah, and because my books have proven that. Um, that they're not about trash. Yeah, you're not trying to exploit anyone. Yeah, that generally they come to me and they're they know that I'm in it for the right reasons. After any of them, 
and I don't know if it's like specific you remember, but like, has there ever, have you ever gotten a piece of information where you were like, oh my God, I can't believe I just got this thing and that's cracked open a whole other thing. Like, are you ever having the yeah. triumphant fist pump on your way back to the car? Yeah. But it's never, it's rarely a fist pump because it's more like this changes everything. Oh, so it's like, oh, it's like daunting. It's daunting. Yeah. Oh my God. Could that really be true? Do you remember anything oh, yeah. that made you? Oh yeah. It's a lonely moment. I mean, if you're going to shoot it, it's it's a close up and then a quick cut to a wide shot. You're like hit hard with it and then alienated. Totally alone. That's what it feels like. Um yeah, when I found out in like I did in this book that Robert Town had had help writing Chinatown. That was like that was a big shocking moment. Um there are others they, they they exist in in every book um and i think they exist all over the place like the longer you look and the closer you look at something you're going to see something that no one's ever seen before and that and that changes that changes everything when robert evans died did you go to his funeral no, I I don't th- there if I remember correctly there was a small gathering in New York and I was definitely not even close to being one of those who would be invited. I wrote uh an appreciation of him in the New York Times. That was as close as I got as publicly praising him, but I didn't go to Evans's funeral. No. But you did get to go to the woodland and like his house and spend some time yeah. with him, yeah? H- yeah. How was the? Fr- how did you end up with him for the first time? Unless it was like, oh, we ran into each other at the palm. But like, I did get to toast uh, the, the, soon after he died, um, with my friend Brandon Milan uh, at his house with with two Evans with wine uh, from the cellar that the butler Alan brought out for us. That was a cool, intimate moment to be at Woodland in the evening um, when no one else was there after Evans died and to just remember him, you know, quietly. It was just you and the butler? And my buddy, Brandon, uh, Brandon Milan. And what were you guys producer. doing there? We had gone close to Evans in the last days and, and close close to Alan Selka. Who because, was, were you writing something about him? Or I was just... researching this book. Got it. I was like, so to your question, how did I meet him? Um, or like, yeah, when you're like, I need to talk to Robert Evans. Like, how do you make that happen? If well, someone doesn't have an agent or a publicist right. and they're like, you know, 88 behind a, a fucking fence at the Beverly Hills Hotel. It was by the thoughtfulness, genera- and generosity, compassion of Hawk Koch. That's my who, attorney's father. That Your attorney's father? Yeah. My attorney, Robbie Koch, his father is Hawk. Okay. So it was Hawk who got what I was doing and he said, you know. Let me, let me bring you over to Evans, which I said to him, you know, in the car in the gate, I said, this could be the coolest thing that ever happens to me. Yeah, probably. Yeah. This could be the coolest thing that ever happens to me. And I want you to know that, um, right now. I need to know everything. What time of day is it? What are you wearing? Are you in a convertible? What is he wearing? Just, just... I was wearing just tights. That's it. Because <laughs> I wanted Evans to like me. Yeah, of course. Um, I don't remember what I was wearing. Probably some version of this. Okay. Um, uh, Hawk 
and I met outside on Woodland. And uh, I parked outside Woodland. Hawk pulled up next to me and told me to get in the car. And so we drove into the gate together. Um, and I don't remember what time it was. It was afternoon. So it was still sunny out. It was still sunny out. Definitely still sunny out. Um, and, um, you know, there were, you know, um, cobwebs on the uh, box that you press to ring. The buzzer, yeah. Buzzer. There were cobwebs on the buzzer. Um, and um, uh, Alan picked up and he says, you know, Hawk, you know, dear boy. Hawk, dear boy, come in. Cause he's always happy to see you. Hawk. How, how old is this butler? However old he is, Alan looks good. I just love that he's saying, dear boy. Dear boy. Oh, he's dear boy. Yeah. Uh, uh, Alan is English. He's the real thing. Um, uh, how old is Alan? God, I couldn't, I couldn't guess. He's a man in middle age. Okay, sure. Um, and always looks great. Wearing a tux? Three, three piece suit, vibrantly colored three piece suit. Um, and that he has custom made. Um, and um, the gate opens and you pass the tennis court on your left. And generally there's Daryl, the tennis pro, playing tennis, who Evans just lets play on the court. You know, the way Evans was with the court, like, you know, if he liked you, you could play. Yeah. And he liked everyone. He probably loved it. It was like a sort of like a happening. You yeah, know, like, oh, I, I played on the court. Yeah. I, I was like, you know, of course, go play on the court. You know, I mean, that's. That's one of the spirits of producing. Yes, come on, come over. That was one of the whole ideas of Woodland. Bring yeah. all the good people over. Yep. and You know, let's make a movie. Um, the way it used to be. Um, now let's, it's, let's bring all the good people over and actually they're all dead. <laughs> no one comes. Um, uh, uh, um, and then, so you drive in and... The tree, you know, there were all these little signs. I could go on. No, you can. That's what people, I, I mean, dude, you can. You're talking to literally a fucking fanatic who is lapping this up like a dog. So the, do not feel. There are all these little signs of it being around a long time with a slight bit of Sunset Boulevard, like the cobwebs. Another one was this, This there was this tree that had grown at a 45 degree angle over the driveway. So your car had to be driven very slow so as not to crash into it. It was so low over the driveway that driving through, you almost instinctually duck, even yeah. though you're in a car. Um, and so you 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 pass the tennis court, duck under the tree, and uh, then you pass the pool, because this is all the back of the house. Woodland's not the entrance of the house. Woodland is the back street. That that Evans created to create this more of a you know. So the pool McGraw jumps in. That's in the back, and that's where you pass alongside the tennis court. That's where you pass, and all the fountains are on, right. sprinkling into the pool. Nice. And then so you pass the tennis court, the pass the pool, and then you pass behind the house. So you come to the house last, and then you drive in front of the house where there's the circular rooster. Uh, which I believe Alan J. Lerner gave him, which might have been a cock joke. <laughs> I can't remember. And then by the time you pull up to the house, Alan is standing there straightening out his tux, you know, with his arms wide open. Um, 
there was no ceremony at the house, even though it sounds so formal. Yeah. You know, woodland and a butler, you know, and all this tradition. No, there was no there was no ceremony at the house. It was hugging and kissing and can I get you something? And then you'd go in and either I'd sit down across from Evans or or sit down on Evan's bed. That was my you question. Know, yeah. where, where are you hanging with him? Because I know he loved his bed. He, either a chair is pulled up so you can face him, but sometimes... In the you, bedroom. Yeah. So, or, or if he wanted to show you something, it was easier for you to get on the bed with him. That's incredible. So you would get on the bed with him, and, um, you know, he... he, um, he Sometimes you had to wait to be invited in because he wasn't ready yet, and and um, that meant makeup sometimes, and he would have a makeup person come in and mm. give him a little bit of makeup, um, and um, um, when you go in, he puts his hand out, you know, and it's and it's a two hand handshake. Yep. You know, um, one hand takes your hand, and the other hand goes over the hand that it's taken. You know, handshake. You know, Sam, you know, Sam, good to see you, you know, good, like jaw clenched, like, you know, there's a little bit of selling in that. He, he came, I'm just going to tell you this very briefly. I don't want to make it about me. When I was working at Paramount as an assistant, he came to introduce Marathon Man. This is like 2010. A buddy of mine was working for Mark Evans, who's the president of production, who Bob Evans was friendly with enough that when Mark got the job, Robert sent him a, a note that said, finally, Evans is king of the mountain again. Yeah. And so when he came to do Marathon Man, that guy's assistant introduced me to his then assistant butler. I forget what his name was, but uh, he said, do you want to meet Robert Evans? I was like, of course. Yeah. And I put my hand out and he does the thing you're talking yeah, about with yeah. two hands. He goes, let's make some magic. That's it. That was one of them too. Let's yeah. make some magic. You know, so part of that is a line, yeah. but but he also, I've spent enough time with him to know that magic is a big deal for him. And magic is a great movie, a great relationship, a great woman, a beautiful, any kind of frisson between people and creativity, magic, you know, let's make something more than what we have. Let's have a great time. That's the spirit. That's the spirit. And Evans had that. Yeah, and the proof of that is the movies. I mean, yeah. You don't have to take my word for it. You know, I mean, these movies don't come from out of nowhere, you know? Um, so. Um, You're on the bed. You I'm, and Hawk. I'm on the bed. Um, uh, Do you guys eat? Yes. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes Alan, who is a great cook, would come in um, with delicious food. They would get, he would get his, this is going to drive you crazy. He would get his locks flown in from Russ and Daughters in New York. That's amazing. Yeah. Because yeah. true, I mean, I get it. I'm not even like, yeah. Like, yeah, you should. You're fucking yeah. Robert Evans. Yeah. Whatever you want. He got it flown in from New York. Uh, Alan made a delicious um, iced tea and Arnold Palmer. He made delicious drinks. Um, and if you were there, you know, late enough, which wasn't even that late, wine would start coming out. Did you, Evan, you you would have to leave you he would be willing to talk so long that you would have to be the one to say, you know, I have to I I have to go to dinner. So there was a part of it that was like, um, you know, the sad part of it was grandpa doesn't want you to go. 
You know, I know it's hard to say about Evans. Um, you know, because by this time, he's not mobile and he's not going out there. So the world is coming to him. Yeah. And when you walk out the door, the world leaves. Yeah. So he's holding on for dear life in a way. And that part was sad. And so you don't want to go because it's Bob Evans, but you also do want to go because there is a sadness to it that yeah, you kind of do have to, it's nice to breathe fresh air again, you know, after, after you leave. Um, did you see the offer? Did you like the portrayal of Robert Evans? I thought he was good. I did too. I thought he was. He, I thought he got it. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. I thought he got it. Yeah. Um, it, it, what may be interesting to you is, so I just went to the wedding of um, my friend Alexandra Ruddy. Her dad is Al. For being 93 years old and getting to watch his daughter walk down the aisle, he is, uh, what I found so lovely about him is he has the same like vavoom when he talks as, uh -huh. as Bob. Like, oh. you know, like he was talking about his son-in-law with such, such, he was so animated. Yeah. He became so alive. And even though he's 93 years old, it was like that, let's make some magic. But yeah. he was talking about his son and just like, I, 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 I saw it. I was like, oh my, yeah. Like there, I literally felt like there was the old Hollywood, like come alive that, you know, it, it truly is like dying out with these last Titans of industry. Right. Well, producers had to have that salesmanship they had to i mean now you couldn't sell shit to a studio because you they're not they don't buy any i mean i i i it, it would take way more than that i don't know what it would take to sell something to a studio i don't know you have to be jk rowling to sell <laughs> although not even now they not fucking anymore. canceled her <laughs> so uh no that's what it took in the days when it actually took some tom or moxie to get something made you know it would take a guy like like ruddy um, or Evans. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, personality. Personality. Yeah. So are you working on a new book right now, dude? Coppola. <gasps> Coppola. So are you going up there all the time to a Zoe Trope? Uh... I, I am going up there. Um, yes. Uh, uh, not all the time, but enough of the time. What does he think of the offer? He said to me, um, he's such a great guy. He's such a, he's such a, uh, uh, sweet guy, Francis, you know, so sweet that you're taken aback. You're like, is, is there something else going on? No, he is a sweet guy. He said, I spoke to him about it right at the beginning. And he was like, did you ever see, did you see this show? Um, the offer I'm like Francis. Uh, and that confused me. So, like, is there another offer? <laughs> like, is there, are we you talking know, about it? It's me. You know, you and know, it's Bob and yeah. it's Blue Door. Yeah, you know, it's about a movie I made called The Godfather. <laughs> it's a movie about a crime family and Mario stars Puzo wrote Al Pacino, it. the actor. <laughs> That's the way he was describing it. I'm like, yeah, Francis, I saw it. It was unwatchable. And he says, he says, you know, I didn't like it either. And I'm like, Francis, of course you didn't like it. it. You know, of course you didn't like it. So, yes, Francis saw uh, as much as he could see. And when you're with him, does he, is he a big wine drinker? I know he is, but like, or is he a big wine producer? Is he backed off the drinking these days? No, he'll drink. I saw him drink. He drank. We actually drank. At one point, we drank tequila, and at one point, we drank wine. Um, but he sold the winery. 
Oh, okay. Uh, he sold the winery. Uh, he might retain some access to it. I'm not sure of the deal, but he sold the bulk of okay. the value of the winery and made a lot of money. Um, 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 but, uh, but yeah, but I also, I also drank espresso with Francis, which was so wild because he asked if I wanted coffee when I walked in or an espresso. And I went, yes, I'll make it <laughs> because I was trying to be nice, you know, but he, then he looks at me confused. He says, do you know how to work that machine? And then I cut, I, you cut over and you see this giant espresso machine. And I go, no. And he goes, so how will you make, this is like guileless Francis. So how will you make the espresso? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going, I'm going to look on YouTube and watch I, a tutorial. I, I, I'm going, Francis, I won't make the espresso. So then he says, so <laughs> you can't make espresso. <laughs> it was so uncomfortable and he was so sweet. And then he's just like, why don't I just make the espresso for you? I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. And so is the book uh, like birth to death? Is there like a weird Sorkin? Uh, we're just focusing on this part of his life. You, if you can't say and don't want to say, that's uh, fine too. I, it's the emphasis is on Zoetrope, the production company, uh, which as I really see it is the center of who Francis is. He's He is not in his core um, to be defined by the Godfather, yeah. even though it's a part of him. What he, what he is and what is Im most important to him is really this other thing, which is about producing movies, creating a utopia for movies, and um, almost like a um, almost like university type environment of creative experimentation and bohemianism. And that's what zoetrope represents, and um, and and that's that's what I wanted to write about. But in that, it goes through a big a big part of his life. Yeah, that's very cool. I like to the, the zoetrope stuff uh, was my one of my favorite parts of Easy Rider's Raging Bulls because I'm yeah. like everyone's just smoking weed and like reading or writing scripts or making movies. Like that's like right. I'm like that's all I want. And exactly I like the only people that do it like that. And I know it's like, it may be a stretch, but like Seth Rogen is the only person I know that's like, come on over. We're smoking weed. Really? We're doing oh, yeah. Good for I, him. I have I have not personally gotten high with him, but like, you know, I have had meetings in his production That's how office, he works? High all the time. You can smoke in the office. It, you know, it's very laissez-faire, but it's also like he is making more shows and movies than anybody at the moment. Is he really? Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad to hear that because there is a direct connection between having a good time and doing good work. There, there, there really is. And that's part of what Bob Evans teaches. That's part of what Woodland was all about. You know, Charlie Bluthorn got him Woodland so he could have parties. And the whole purpose of parties, as anyone in this business knows, is to meet people. Yeah. And meeting people is creativity. You know, you don't, we don't go to an office. We don't go to, I mean, some people go to an office and they meet their writing room or their two other people. But outside of, outside of that, the rest of other ideas happen chaotically. And the more chances for chaos you can manufacture, which is, that's what a party is, the, the better off you're going to be. So Coppola understood that, um, understands that, Evans understands that, um, all the old studio heads who had commissaries, 
understood that um, the work doesn't just happen in the office. It's interesting to hear you say that because uh, I would argue, and I, I I don't know what it was like at Sony at the time or Universal or Fox, but when I was working at Paramount through 2010, truly the bosses and whether it was Brad Gray or Adam Goodman, they wanted it to be like a fraternity. Yeah. It was like people, like, do you have joints? Do you have cigarettes? Assistants got invited to fucking movie premieres. I got invited to the president of the studio's house at two in the morning to drink and watch YouTube videos yeah. in his fucking yeah. screening room. Yeah. And like now when I tell people that, or even my dad who worked at the studio system in the nineties is like, it's not like that anymore. No, it's not dude. Like, Nobody no. is doing that. No. In, in fact, there's a play that I love called I'll eat you last, which is the Sue Mengers play. Oh, that's cool. I, it's very cool. Bette Midler did it on Broadway. It was hilarious. I forget who wrote it. Was it John August? Shit, I, I forget. Was it Josh Logan? John I Logan? I John August? I forget. I know. Which she keeps saying, the character of Sue and the thing keeps saying it's not fun anymore. She keeps saying it's not fun anymore. It's not fun anymore. And it's not just fun for fun's sake, although that's a lot and that's great. Um, it's also because fun and creativity go hand in hand. You don't want, for instance, to your surgeons to be having fun. Like if you were like, <laughs> oh, let's go down. You were like, oh, Cedars is the best hospital. They're just having fun all the time. I don't think you'd be going to Cedars. No, you want to hear Cedars is the most serious hospital. No one is having fun. Correct. That's what you want out of your hospital. Correct. Right? But out of your creative environment, you want, this place is so fun. Yeah. Because fun and free go together and freedom and creativity go together. So it should be fun. And the business is not fun anymore. I hear it every day. I hear it every single day from, from everyone, everyone from, from the writers to post-production mixers, everyone, no one is having fun anymore. No one, no one. I, I want to be very clear about this. <laughs> I don't want this to be hedged in any way. Um, Why do you think that is? Um, there's not enough creativity. Um, woke rules and regulations. Um, um, movies are not television. Um, uh, in, other, in other words, movies are, uh, television is writing. Writing happens in the writer's room or not in the writer's room. And then the course of making it becomes barely a creative process. So that's not fun. Um, uh, less money to go yeah. around. That's less fun. And with less money, there's fewer risks. That's less fun. Um, um, a general, a general and misplaced hatred of the system that, um, has been um that is run off from the 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 um hatred for uh Trump which is deserved but um a lot of people now look at systems of money capitalism which Hollywood represents yeah. as destructive and evil not true inherently of Hollywood um so they regard the whole thing with suspicion. Um, those are the big ones. Okay. Here's another question for you because I've, you're incredibly intelligent and you know history. So maybe you can tell us where we're going. You've lived through a writer's strike. You've 
probably researched and read about other strikes, writer strikes specifically, like, do you have any clue, like, how the fuck this ends or where this goes or what happens? I, I know you and I were talking in my kitchen making martinis about it's kind of silly to be having fun on these picket lines. Yes, it's silly to be having fun on the picket lines because it's this is serious. Um, you know, you drive by, you see hotel workers on strike. They don't look like they're having fun. No. And this is not a joke. Unless it is. No, I don't think it is. I don't think it is either. So I don't think this should be, you know, dressing up, dancing around, yeah. you know, joke signs. I don't think that helps at all. Um, um, but what worries me most is what passes for good quality work in the culture. Because while I'm not scared of AI making art, which I think will never happen, I am scared of AI making craft. And um, that's real. You, you know, I mean, I went to go see um, Book Club Book Club 2. In the it, theaters? It was in the theaters. It was a lark for my mother that she was in on for Mother's Day. She's like, fuck you, we're going to see Book Club 2. And I said, all right, Mom, <laughs> that's cool. We see Book Club 2. And, and... My sister leans in and she goes, reporting factually, she says, AI could have written this. And, and let's just take AI out of this. An idiot could write this. Um, and it's, I guess idiots did. And that is what I'm scared of. So we don't, I'm scared of, we don't need writers. And I'm scared of that reality. We don't need writers because the art form is so debased. We don't need, we're going to not need directors either. I, in fact, I think it's already happening. So AI is just another thing to call bad filmmaking, bad write, bad writing, bad creativity. These movies make a billion dollars. And in fact, there's a great, I would say now, prophetic scene in a um, wonderful movie, The Player, which we all know. I just rewatched that. So remember the scene in The Player where they're all sitting around, all the executives are sitting yep. around and reading going through the newspaper? He's like, Horatio Alger, Trials and Tribulations. Look at this. Yes. And he goes, wait a second get rid of the writers, get rid of the directors and actors. We really got something going here. Uh -huh. And everyone in the theater in 1990, whatever laughed because it was just outside the truth because it was really about how the executives are marginalizing the talent, you know? So we could all safely laugh at that moment. Ha 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 ha. It's happened. It's happened. The Russians have hacked the system. I mean, what I mean is it's happened. That nightmare is here. You know, these Movies make huge amounts of money. I mean, Book Club 2 was made a huge amount of money. Um, so um, I am afraid for talent, is what I should say. Um, in the movie business, I'm afraid for talent in the movie business. And writers are talent in the movie business. Um <clears throat> I'm afraid for directors too. Actors are only half human, so I never worry that much about them. 
<laughs> um, oh, poor actor. No one ever says that. Poor actor. Um, um, so I'm worried about mixers. I'm, I'm worried. Uh, I, I hear stories from mixers and they're like, we don't need you. They're, this is on iPhones now. You know, I'm worried about mixers. Um, I'm, I'm worried about editors. How much time do they really have? Um, um, and, and, uh, so I'm, I'm worried about the strike and look, didn't the last strike hundred days, a hundred days. Yeah. I say this is longer. Uh, me too. And um, is Netflix sweating? They've got how much you can watch anything. I know. So it, I don't because I think it's shit. Yeah. But the world will eat a cheeseburger from McDonald's. I won't. So uh, what? why would they be scared? Why would they be scared? This is what I was saying to someone last week is even 10, 12 years ago before the streamers, Fox, Warner Brothers, Sony Columbia, Paramount, their interests were all aligned. Now, Apple, Amazon, Hulu, they're different. They have different interests in, in different things that make them money versus what Sony, Fox, Paramount. Like, they're not... They're, they're You're talking about fucking tech companies yeah. and movie studios. Yeah, okay. So it's like, how are they ever going to get in line with the deal that feels right for them to then come to the writers with? Okay, okay. There's a slight precedent in history here. You know, um, uh, when the movie start, started being bought up by conglomerates in, you know, the the... the 50s, 60s, 70s, when the Gulf and Western took over Paramount, Paramount you know, et cetera. Coca-Cola takes over Columbia in the 80s. Um, yes, it got it got harder. It got harder in, in, in the sense that corporate interests were starting to run the movies. But there was they were also like the they were also like the crown jewels in these businesses. They were also proud to be the makers of movies in a way. Yeah. And um by and large the people they dispatched to run these movie studios like Evans had some pride of creativity too. They were showmen, they did like the movies even if they just liked glamour, they they liked that. They weren't just selling a product. Um uh and of course movies were the center of the culture. Then, so you could use a movie, even in a crass commercial way, to synergize with other pieces of IP. You know, Rain Man sold Coca Cola. There's a Coke all over Rain Man. You know, I mean, great uh, soundtrack. By great the way. soundtrack. Um, um, but movies aren't the center of the culture anymore, um, which is also part of the problem. Um, I think that's not to say they can't be. I think one of the reasons they're not the center of the culture is because they're bad. Uh, uh, um, what do you think is the center of the culture these days? The computer. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't believe the short attention span excuse that this has destroyed movies. Attention spans have been decreasing since the beginning of time. Uh, um, you know, we had, for they said MTV is going to ruin the movies. Remember that? Yes. 
MTV is going to ruin the movie. What a load of shit. No, what a, what, a, what a load of shit. If you build it, they will come. That's true. Uh, and they're not building it. So what do you say to people that are young and want to come to Hollywood and be creative? Like, I just, Don't. <laughs> truly? When, so kids at USC ask me, like, what's the secret to being a writer? I tell them, marry someone with a W-2 income. Now, look, if you, I'm being, I'm being facetious. <laughs> of course, you know, of, of course, of course. I'd say get, I'd say read history so you can have a realistic sense about what it is that you're jumping into. I mean, I wouldn't join the army, but some people join the army. You know, I mean, I would never tell someone don't do something, uh, but learn about what the reality, the unsentimental reality of what it is that you are dipping a toe in or or moving your life to get into. So you're not surprised when you get here. And, and uh, uh, you know, some people, just to have the dream is enough. And dreams can happen. We, it, 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 dreams can happen. Um, I'm straining to think of an example, but, um, I mean, maybe is it, you can help me. Is it who's so corny? Young here's and a, good it, here's who, who's say. young and new and good? And, and Chris Storer, creator of the bear. Do you watch the bear? See, I don't watch television. Okay, fine. So, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, and I know this sounds so corny to me, having a TV show come out was a dream to right. make something right. because this all started because I had a gnarly fear of death as a child. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I want to leave something behind. And so just having my name on a movie, even as a PA, when I'm dead, they'll remember That's me. Cool. And that was fucking Looney Tunes of me to think that yeah. way. But like that was that was the beginning of it. And even though I made a cartoon and whatever, the fact that I got to open up a fucking app on my TV and push play on something that I created with my two friends is a dream to me. And that's exactly I'm so that you like, can watch it in India is a dream in an Indian language that right. someone had to take the time to translate yeah. dick jokes yeah. that I wrote yeah. in yeah. my bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. Is a dream to me. Well, make sure that's another thing. Make sure, you know, he's taking off his glasses. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you're, you're not going to come here and make contempt. Not that you'd want to or should. <laughs> Not that you'd want to or should. One contempt is enough. But know what they're making. Know what's, you know, know what they're buying. It's it's very lovely to say, I'm going to be an artist and then get out here and then, you know, not be able to take meetings because you're pitching contempt. <laughs> so play the long game. Yeah. Play the long game. Find a way to get in the door. And and if you if you love it or you know if you love it enough, uh, it's it's very hard for me to recommend it because I know what it was and I see what it is and I mean I'm looking around and I'm just thinking, you know, who do you want to be right now? Uh, you know, if you, whose career do you envy? I say this. I would say this. I guess to someone. Whose career do you envy? If you envy someone, someone's career working today, then maybe, maybe that too can be. You too can have that. 
Um, look, Alexander Payne is still making movies. Yeah. You know, that's a great filmmaker. Um, Edgar Wright, I think he's a great filmmaker. Um, Bradley Cooper only made one movie. I loved it. I can't wait to see the next one. Um, I'm just speaking in Hollywood now. Um, Did you see Air, by the way? No. I want to know what you think of that when you watch it. I haven't seen Air. Um, Who am I missing? I don't know. I can't, I mean... People, like people that I like love. What am I missing? Like off the. Uh, I mean, there's you're... no movie industry, so it's hard to think of movie makers. I mean, like Scorsese, obviously, yeah. you know. Um, but you know, you look at the can highlights. You look at the can lineup, and you're like, all right, other than Killers, and Indiana Jones. Uh-huh. You yeah. know, which is not made by a filmmaker; it's made by a franchise. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, I, so I don't know. You're going to, you're going to gamble your life on being Scorsese. I think that's an expensive lottery ticket. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. You know, the, the answer, my answer was history. Yeah. My answer is writing history. So someone could figure out their own, their own answer. Um, I don't know where we go. It's like I am legend. Bring us. We're back. the only ones left. We are with this little dog and a giant gun, <laughs> called intelligence and passion. Uh, can we beat the zombies? I don't know. I don't think so, but. Um, I think we can be safe at home with, you know, renting movies for two ninety nine on Amazon or reading books. Isn't it ironic? I mean, this is ironic. I'm like, I'm like, fuck, fuck the corporations. They destroyed everything. Fuck the corporate. You know, they destroyed Hollywood. You know, and then who am I renting movies from? Amazon and iTunes. Mm-hmm. Thank God for Amazon and iTunes because I can rent any. Great movie I want for two ninety nine. Yeah. So how's that for a controversial point of view? I think it's a great point of view. Like life, so, it's, it's complicated. So what I'm saying is, why don't you stay home and do what every lover of great art might be doing? Thanking Jeff Bezos. <laughs> But you're watching movies while thanking him. Thank Jeff Bezos. Get an education, but know that education is brought to you by (laughs) Jeff Bezos. Destroyed Barnes and Noble. Yes, that's right. Destroy Barnes and Noble. Yeah. Sammy, I I thank you so much for coming here. I really do think you are uh, the last of a dying breed. And uh, you're a Laurel Canyon man like me. Yeah. Uh, So please, anytime, come back if you want another martini. I want one right now, actually. No problem. We'll do that. Thank you.